Okay, thank you, Pastor Stuart. All right, well, praise the Lord and uh, good to see you all. I've got a few things that I'd I'd like to speak on today. There's uh, three things, actually, that I just want to cover very, very briefly in that sense because of time. And that is, there's things that the Bible speaks about that uh, we need to understand. And those things are are the law. What law are we under, if we're under any law at all? (laughs) People don't want to be under any law. Uh, The world certainly doesn't want a law over them. There's also things written in the Bible that speaks about shadows and also copies. And what that uh, means for us in regard to understanding um, what we're to do, what we need to do, what we don't need to do, whether we need to be involved in this or that. Uh, and they help us to stay on the right path. And there's lots of different preaching out there, as I'm sure you've uh, come across, that is somewhat wayward, uh, preaching and teaching things that are no longer relevant to us as people who follow Jesus Christ. And so I want to cover some of those things. Um, the first thing I'd like to do is, is use an analogy, and I've, I've spoken of this analogy here before, although it's been a while since I preached, so you've probably forgotten anyway. Uh, and that's the analogy that uh, you remember back about two years ago, I think it was, that there were some boys in Thailand that got caught in a cave. There was 13 of them, I think it was. Uh, one was the uh, guy that was leading the, I think it was a so- soccer group, and they all went into this cave and they went in for quite a distance and then it rained extremely heavily and it all got flooded and they were trapped. Uh, They weren't found for something like 10 days because it was just impossible uh, basically for anyone to get in there. And the analogy is this, that those boys, once they were inside that cave and the floods came, it was impossible for them to get out. Uh, the only way they could get out was to hope for someone to come from outside their situation to come and save them because they couldn't dig their way out, they couldn't swim their way out. The, the cave went up and down. There was a number of areas where it was filled with water and even the people that went in there, and I was listening to the Australian man that was part of the uh, um, saving them, said that it was so difficult. They were trained and experienced cave, um, what do you call them, underwater people. And he actually expressed that he had no thought that he could save any of them or that any of them could be saved. Mm -hmm. That's how treacherous it was to go in, even for an experienced person. And they had to get these guys out. And so the analogy is simply this, that we're in a situation as human beings where we of ourselves cannot do anything to get out of it. We are under a thing called the law of sin and death. And when we physically die, we have to face something far more serious than what we're facing while we're walking on this earth, and that is an eternal destiny uh, confronts us. That uh, We have this opportunity to find out what the truth of life is, uh, find out what we can do about it, if we can do anything about it. And uh, by the time our time has passed here, we don't have a second opportunity. And so if you've ever heard of anyone preaching a second opportunity after you leave here, then they're wrong, according to Scripture, because it says that uh, it's appointed for everyone to die once and then be judged. So um, 
The analogy, of course, is that we need someone to come from outside our situation to save us, just as those boys had to have somebody from outside their situation to come in and save them. And uh, even in the saving of them, uh, they had to submit to those who came to get them because they had to learn how to use breathing apparatus and uh, because they were only young boys and it was such a treacherous thing, they uh, required for these boys to actually lay down on a stretcher and for the experienced ones to get them out. So they had to learn to breathe. And the other thing I found out was that they had to be sedated to get them out, to keep them from panicking if anything went amiss. And uh, the the sedative had to be a special one. Nurses would probably know more than I do. That it had to not affect their breathing. It had to be so special that it would calm them down, but not calm them down to the point where it affected their breathing. Uh, because they had to breathe properly through the, through the mask. And so the same is with us. And this is the analogy part, that we have one who has come from outside. Of course, we know his name is Jesus. He's come to save us, and he has the way for us to get out. But we have to be willing to listen to him and do what he says in order to get out. Um, because there's only one way. He's it. It's his word. Not ours. It's not our ideas. It's not our opinions. It's his. He knows the way. He is the way. And so with that, let me speak on the law. There's three laws that are written in the Bible for us. And I'll mention the three first and then I'll speak on them. The first one is the law of sin and death. Every human being is under that law, whether you like it or not. We were born into it. We had no say in it. It happened because of the sin of Adam. Uh, Once Adam sinned, he brought all mankind under this law of sin and death. And it's not hard to figure out that we are under some sort of a problem and a law because we all die. We know death is inevitable. So why argue that point? Uh, The reason behind our death is the part that uh, people like to argue about. We know that it's because of sin. Uh, Adam's sin initially, and of course we as people who are born under Adam are born in a condition of sin. Again, we didn't choose to be that way. We were born that way. We don't have to sin to be sinners. We are born in sin, and therefore, as a result of that, we just naturally sin. And so this law of sin and death is at play in our lives. And Jesus is the only one who could satisfy the requirements that God had for that. The other laws is the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments as it's often referred to. And the other law is the law of the life-giving spirit. Now that's the law we need to be under and we need to know how to come under that law. So the law of sin and death, as I said, Jesus is the only one who could satisfy that law because it required a death. And we as ones who are in sin... Uh, could not satisfy God's requirement in that. It was Jesus who was sinless who came to satisfy that uh, law and to open the way for us to get out. Uh, The way of communicating or being with God was opened up because of what Jesus did in satisfying this law that was against each and every human being. And so he's done that for everybody. Regardless of whether they believe it or not, 
Jesus died for every single person that's ever born into this world. And the way has been opened for us. The law of Moses tells us simply that we have a problem with sin and that we actually need some help. A lot of people would like to get rid of every law or to change it so as they could uh, do whatever they like, when they like, as often as they like. And that only creates more and more problems. Uh, Even basic road laws (laughs) that Helen experienced something about um, getting pulled over. Um, If we don't obey them, there's all kinds of problems that, that we face. And so the law of Moses is here to tell us that we have a problem and that we need to look for uh, what can be done. In Romans uh, 3.19, it says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law... It's the law of Moses. No flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so that tells us very plainly that the law of Moses is simply given so that we can understand we have a sin problem and we need a solution. Praise God, there is one. In Romans 4.15 it says, Because the law works wrath, For where no law is, there is no transgression. So if there was no law, we would never know that we were doing anything wrong Um, and we would just keep on doing what we like. And so the law of Moses was really given as a restraint in the Old Testament time to restrain people, to keep them from going headlong into more and more depths of sin. And so those who came under the law would... Uh, do those things that God gave them to do in regard to breaking the law, there was animal sacrifices that were to be given to cover their sin, which was only a temporary covering until the blood of Jesus was given as a total cleansing rather than just a covering. So the law of Moses doesn't give us a solution. It just tells us that we have a problem that we cannot of ourselves fix. And the solution is given to us through uh, the word of God who came in human form, not only to inform us of uh, the problem we have, but also to give the solution. And in Mark 1.15, Jesus said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the good news of what Jesus said spoke about and what Jesus has done, his death, burial and resurrection. What meaning does that have for each and every person? And to come to that place where we believe it. But in believing it, to obtain the fullness of us, of it I should say, we must repent. Repentance opens the way for us to have relationship with God again. We can believe in the death of Jesus in regard to satisfying the law of sin and death. But if we remain unrepentant, then the way for us is still hindered or blocked off because we still have our own problem of sin. The the, uh, law of sin and death came about because of Adam and so Jesus satisfied everything to do with what Adam had done. 
And in the process, he's also uh, opened the way for us to be able to repent and be made right with God as well. So there's the, the two things that Jesus' death has, has satisfied. We don't have to repent for what Adam did, but we must repent for what we have done or do do. And of course, being in this body of flesh, we, we do know that sin is something that we fall into, uh, prayerfully from only time to time, if at all, but we do know that we fall into it. And the way of dealing with that is given to us through the word of God and through everything that Jesus has done. Uh, it's a simple matter of repentance. When we recognise we're in trouble, we need to repent. Repentance opens the way for us to believe the gospel and to gain an understanding of all that has been done for us. God's requirement for justice has been satisfied in what Jesus did on the cross. And the accuser has been silenced. When we repent, everything that Satan has against us, the accuser of the brethren, as it says, he no longer has anything that he can say to us. Now, he does and he will. But in the book of Revelation, it tells us that we overcome the devil through the blood of the Lamb and through our testimony. We can say, I've been set free. I've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus, by what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, I don't have to stand in guilt or shame anymore. I think one of those songs mentioned guilt and shame. We don't have to stand in that any longer. We can know the release of that weight, that heaviness that's been on us because of the sin nature and the sins that we've committed. We can be free of all of that and to know the peace that God would like us to walk in and the trust and the hope that we have. We are not only born in sin, but we have also sinned. And God says, Repent, therefore, and believe in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. I want to read to you a passage out of the book of Revelation. And it gives us a, an understanding. As with anything that is preached from the Bible, you will get so many different ideas, versions, thoughts on it. Some of it is just so plain that it doesn't need any help. Some people like to grab it, twist it, screw it around and give it back to you in a different shape. Um, most of the time, the Bible is very straightforward. Uh, other times... If uh, the scripture says one thing, it says in scripture, scripture helps us in helping ourselves anyway, it says by two or three witnesses the thing is established or a thing is established. So if you have one scripture that says a certain thing, we know that you can't make a doctrine out of one single scripture. It's dangerous to do that. What you look for is another one or two scriptures that speak about the same thing and give you a clearer direction in regard to what it's meaning. And so the Bible helps us to help ourselves in a sense uh, if we were just willing to keep looking, keep reading, keep studying so that we don't get one scripture and just get led astray by what it says. Other scriptures are fairly straightforward and that's what I want to read um, today. And I'll, I'll give you my understanding. I, I you know, 
Seek it out for yourself. Study it out for yourself. And it's out of uh, Revelations chapter 12, verse 7 down to verse 12. And it's to do with the devil, the accuser of the brethren, the, the one who likes to accuse people for all of their sins, for breaking every law under the sun. And it says this, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That gives us some idea of, of you know, the heavenly situation as it was and as it, as it has been in time past. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come or have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. There's a deceiver, there's deception everywhere. We have the truth given to us if we will only stop and read it and listen to it. The truth is given that we may no longer walk under the deception of the devil. And he is very cunning and crafty at using it. But he's been cast out of heaven. My understanding of this scripture is that when Jesus went into the tabernacle of heaven with his blood and laid it upon the mercy seat, that that caused God to be able to cast the devil out of heaven, his heaven, once and for all. And of course he only had one other place to go and that was down here. And so it says, woe to us of the earth. But his time is short, we know that. And we overcome um, by the blood of the Lamb, which is to do with our forgiveness uh, and our testimony, which is to do with our uh, confession that Jesus has not only satisfied the law of sin and death that was against us, but has also laid his life down for the forgiveness or so as we can have forgiveness of our own particular sins and that we no longer have to face a judging God, but instead we can come to know him as a loving father, one who <laughs> loves us dearly and wants us to be saved. He has done Everything, and he keeps on doing everything for us to ensure that we make it through those gates at the end. One of the things, one of the scriptures that we have, that we, uh, I guess in one sense, I've, I've relied on once I realised uh, the importance of it, is 1 John 1 9, where it says, Confess your sins, and Jesus is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so that's our ongoing cleansing because we do sin. We all fall short of the glorious standard of God. We have the Holy Spirit to help us 
to, uh, to walk in the way that God would have us to walk. But we're new at this game. This, this is a whole new life to us. We are children, spiritual children, growing up to be mature. And along the way, we will make mistakes. We will sin along the way. But that scripture is there in particular to ensure that we remain clean, that we remain in communion with God, that uh, we have a loving relationship between uh, him and us and us and him, and that nothing the devil wants to throw at us can stick, because it can't. Uh, And in that, we have to be careful with one another because we can see what each one might be doing from time to time and say, well, they're sinning, I shouldn't be doing that, and I reckon they ought to be treated harshly. Uh, We have to be careful with that kind of attitude because God loves them. And uh, the best thing we can do is pray, Lord, they're they're doing something that I know that you you say is not right to do. Please help them uh, and let the, the Spirit move upon them in whatever way is made possible, whether it be by hearing some preaching, whether it be by them reading the word, whether it's by somebody going to them quietly and saying, hey, we've seen that you're doing this, this or whatever. Uh, It says that uh, if you uh, confront a brother who's sinning, uh, then uh, if they repent, you've won them uh, and uh, the devil has lost his uh, hold over them or his ability to trip them up or whatever he might have in mind to do. So that's the accuser of the brethren. Not only was the law of sin and death satisfied and that uh, we have forgiveness through our repentance, but the devil himself is also silenced against us. The other law is the law that we come into when we believe in what Jesus has done and we look to him to save us. Just as those guys in the, in the cave, they were looking for those guys to save them. And uh, didn't matter what those boys had done in their lives, those men who came to save them were going to save them regardless of whether they were good, bad or, or whatever. Jesus has come to save each and every person. It doesn't matter how bad we've been, what we've done. He is here to save every single person. All it needs is for us to recognise our need and to be repentant and say, sorry, help me, because he is here to help us. And he sends the Holy Spirit to help us do that. And so the third one is the law of... uh, I was going to say the law of sin and death again. uh, The law of the life-giving spirit. And it's spoken of a number of different ways in Scripture. Uh, uh, In Romans 8, 2, it speaks about the law of the life-giving spirit, that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. It's also referred to as the law of Christ in Galatians 6.2. In Galatians 5.14 it says the law of love. That's agape love. That's God's love. That's a, that's a sacrificial love. The law of love. And in James 1.25 and 2.12 it speaks of the law of liberty. We're not at liberty to keep on sinning. We are given liberty to be able to love one another as Christ loves us. And that's something to learn. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us to learn that. To grow in Christ-likeness. It's a challenge, but God has made the way through what I've already spoken about, through the blood of Jesus, through confession, through repentance. 
He's made the way so that we can continue to improve in that area of walking in love towards one another and even to those who are lost still, even to the ones that get angry at us and uh, might even throw things at us at time, from time to time. But we are able to love just as Jesus loved. All right, the other two things that I wanted to mention is shadows and copies that are spoken of in Scripture. In Colossians 2.17, I'll read Colossians 2.17. And in fact, I'll read uh, 2.16 first. It says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, which are shadows which are a shadow, sorry, of things to come. But the substance is Christ. Now, my best way of understanding that is the difference between me standing here and I do have a slight shadow. It's coming from that light. I can see it just barely. But I can't hold my shadow's hand and neither can you. It can't really do much for you. It can't hug you. It can't shake your hand. It can't do anything. But the substance... I can hold your hand, I can, um, you know, be gentle with you and all that sort of thing. But a shadow can't do a thing. And so Jesus has come. He is the substance of everything that the Old Testament spoke about. Everything that was done in the Old Testament was just a shadow of everything that would be in Jesus. The laws that were given, the requirements of the law in regard to sacrifices. All those things were a shadow of what we have in Jesus because he is the ultimate sacrifice. His sacrifice cleanses and deals with the sin problem totally. Whereas the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament that the the Israelites had to keep was only a, a shadow and a temporary covering until Christ came. When the people of the Old Testament died, they died and went into what's referred to in Scripture as the bosom of Abraham. And from what Scripture tells us, they could see the fires of hell and the people in hell. Yet they couldn't cross over there and the people couldn't cross over to Abraham's bosom. When Jesus died, he went down into this place called Paradise, the bosom of Abraham, and released those people from there. They're no longer in the... uh, I understand that the hell is in the centre of the earth. You can study that out. Um, And so he went down there and opened the way for them to come out. And and their place of Paradise is now in a heavenly position, not in an earthly place. They aren't looking at hell anymore. Uh, And so... Uh, He released them from that. And so everything they kept in regard to the law and the sacrifices enabled them to be in Abraham's bosom until Jesus came. When he shed his blood, that opened the way for them to come into the heavenly realm. And so the same happens with us now. The way is open that when we die, we don't go down into hell. We go up uh, for those who believe, of course. And so Jesus is the substance. 
Jesus satisfied all the requirements that God had and has for man to keep. And there are a whole stack of things. If you read Leviticus 23, it gives you a number of things that the Israelites were called to keep in regard to festivals, a Sabbath, and uh, even the Passover, which was, of course, an an animal sacrifice. Uh, And all of those things not only were a shadow, but they were required for mankind to keep. God has given those to Jesus to keep for us. After all, he did become a human being. And so he keeps all those things on our behalf. What we keep is faith in him doing all those things for us. We don't have to keep a festival. We don't have to keep a Sabbath, as some would preach and teach, because they're only a shadow of what we have in Jesus. And all of those things Jesus will keep. He's already kept a number of those festivals. When he returns, he will keep the other festivals that are to be kept kept. Uh, one of those is the Feast of Tabernacles, another one is, is uh, the Atonement and uh, what's the other one? Trumpets, Feast of Trumpets. And of course that's the trumpet sound that will be heard. So, that's to do with shadows. Now, there's one uh, verse out of Hebrews 10 that covers not only shadows but also copies. I want to read that to you and go on from there. Actually, there's two that I'll read. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, and then Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. In chapter 10, verse 1, it says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and that's the laws regarding Moses and the keeping of sacrifices, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. It's only the blood of Jesus that could take away the sins and that's been done for us who believe. In uh, chapter 8, verse 5, it says, I'll read verse 4 as well. For if he were on earth, and that's talking about Jesus, he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And so again, it's speaking of copies and shadows. And this copy is regard to the tabernacle. There is actually a tabernacle in heaven that has always been there. It was made by God. It wasn't made by man. It says in 8 verse 2, it says, A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. And so this tabernacle's always been in heaven. What Moses made on earth for the Israelites to to worship at and to do the uh, sacrificial things with uh, was simply a a copy of the original. You can't have a copy if you haven't got an original. It's becomes an original (laughs) if there's no original, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So the 
things on earth were just a copy. The thing in heaven is the real thing. And that's what we have our connection with now because of Jesus. It talks about this priesthood of Melchizedek. I don't know how the Africans pronounce Melchizedek. <laughs> I'll pronounce it Melchizedek. Similar? We know what we're talking about. There's this priesthood of Melchizedek and you will hear all kinds of different preaching as to who this person was. The Bible simply tells us that he's a priest of the heavenly tabernacle. And Jesus became the high priest of that tabernacle when he died. Because Jesus declared, and I won't read all the scriptures, but in um, 7.17 it says, For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That's God speaking of Jesus. And so our dealings are not with an earthly tabernacle, not with an earthly priesthood. Uh, there's a number of churches that, that have screwed up ideas about priesthoods and how they operate and how they should operate. The Mormons in particular, uh, they have a Melchizedek priesthood, which is a hierarchy of their own people in the church. And uh, there's no such thing uh, written in scriptures for that to have any relevance at all. We are all priests in Christ. The scripture tells us that. And us as priests are called to offer up the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We don't offer up sacrifices of animals or anything else. And it says that in Hebrews thirteen fifteen. it says, By him, that's Jesus, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And in 1 Peter 2.9, just to make sure we understand that we truly are a priesthood in Christ. We're not uh, trying to make ourselves something that, uh, you know, that uh, God doesn't say that we are. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We're very peculiar, I know that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. It has come to earth through Jesus Christ and it's been opened up to us through his sacrifice, through his death, his burial and his resurrection. And that's freely offered to every single soul on this earth if we would just hear and believe and repent. So to conclude, we have access to God. The foundation of our faith must be that Jesus has satisfied the law of sin and death that was against each and every one of us. It's done, it's finished, we can't add to it, we certainly can't take away from it. It's there for us and in our hearts we can take hold of that. Jesus is the only one who saves because he is the word of life who was sent in human form to die that sacrificial death that not only satisfied the law of sin and death but also enables us to be repentant of heart and to know that his blood washes us clean of all guilt, of all shame, of all uh, conviction, uh, of uh, everything that was against us. We're no longer dealing with shadows or copies. There's no earthly tabernacle. 
There's no earthly sacrifices that we have to give. There's no earthly priesthood apart from that priesthood of the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. There's no festivals that we have to keep. That includes Christmas and Easter, by the way. We don't have to keep them. They've got nothing to do with our salvation. They're lovely to keep. They're lovely to do. Lovely to participate in. But it doesn't save our soul if we keep them or if we don't keep them. It has nothing to do with it. And there's no requirement for keeping of Sabbaths either because Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And the way I like to understand that is if uh, you know, we often see signs, keep off the grass. Well, when you see the sign, you obey the sign. You keep off the grass. But when the one who erected the sign comes along and says, come over here, sit down, I want to speak to you. Do you look at the sign... Or do you take heed of what the person is saying? You take heed of the one who made the sign. You don't bother with the sign any longer. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He keeps everything for us. We keep him by faith. And we follow him and obey what he says. We don't obey what Moses said. I mean, obviously there's things in the law of Moses that we no longer want to be doing. Uh, If you're learning to love by the way of the Holy Spirit leading, then you're not going to be holding on to murder uh, or anything else of like. And so our focus is on what Jesus says and what the Holy Spirit reminds us in regard to what Jesus has said. And we follow that. We follow the Spirit leading. So there's no longer any of these things for us that uh, are requiring to be kept. And it is the Holy Spirit, and I haven't really spoken much on the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit that leads, guides and teaches us in the way of truth, the way of Christ, reminding us of everything that Jesus said. And as I said, it's no longer about the law of Moses, but the law of love. That's the agape love, the sacrificial love. And he is teaching us how to love one another in that sacrificial way. Not an easy one to learn, not an easy one to walk in. But it is what God is teaching us and leading us in so that we can be Christ-like. So the power of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you to strengthen you, to uplift you, to encourage you and to help you to be what God would have us to be. And that is to be like Christ. Bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.